Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 269 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today, we're continuing our DIY series, and today we're going to be looking at outbuildings. And I think we're going to be looking at outbuildings for four weeks, I think, because I'm going to split it into four distinct sections. Now, we're going to look at floors today. And in subsequent weeks, we'll be looking at walls, roofs, and then windows and doors. Because what I really want to do, what I want this series to do, is is to convey all the information you would need to feel confident, but also to make the good, right decisions that are correct for you going forward to actually go and design and build your own outbuildings. And I want to cover the whole gambit, whether it's just a small chicken run, right up to a big workshop or something like that. And... Really, the only thing stopping you is a little bit of knowledge, and uh, hopefully we're going to clear all of the hurdles in this series. So, as I said, today we're going to talk about floors, and the first thing we have to do is just think about the purpose of the building and what we need it to achieve, because we're going to need an extremely variable level of workmanship in our floors depending on what we're going to be using it for if we're building a workshop or a garage then we're going to want that floor to be really really solid perhaps solid enough to drive cars on and we're going to need it to be nice and level and also damp proof if we are just building a little hide or somewhere for our goats to run under or our sheep to run under when it's really really bad weather uh, not so much sheep but goats then uh, you know maybe you don't need a floor in there at all maybe just the ground is sufficient if all we're looking for is just somewhere to get out the rain for a moment then uh, maybe the floor can be not damp proofed in any way at all it really does depend on what you're going to use it for so I would start by making those decisions. So, you know, how solid it needs to be, whether it needs to be damp proof. Those are the first two. So looking at our actual floor, if we decide that we're going to need a solid floor, a solid base in there, again, we've still got lots and lots of options. We could install a timber floor by using pallets. Again, if we just want a... So for some of our animal housing what we would do is we would just put pallets on the floor and then just put some ply straight on the top of those and screw them down and that's going to give them a nice solid floor why would you want a solid floor well it's going to make it easier to muck them out because you can run a shovel or a pitchfork along the top of that board Uh, also it's just really really simple to do it this way and create a small cavity up off the ground now if you're going to do that you're going to need to be aware of vermin because you're going to create a lovely habitat for vermin inside those pallets it's going to be nice and warm underneath where your animals are sleeping so that's just something to bear in mind if we want to go to the other end of the spectrum and do a lot of work and we could build 
a permanent concrete slab or whatever kind of paving you might want to go for. And to do that, again, we need to make some more decisions. It really is going to depend on how permanent you want it to be. Now, if you're going to want just a, a hard standing area that doesn't need to be solid, doesn't need to be concrete or anything fixed in place, then you can just dig out some of your ground, some of your earth, and put some scalpings in there or some hardcore and then hire a compactor plate, a whacker plate, and run that over the top to compact it all down. And then on top of that, you could quite simply just lay some paving slabs. You can do that on a sand base, or if you wanted it a bit more permanent, you could do it on a sand and cement mortar mix. And that's basically how you'd build a patio. You know, that's the, the basic version of how you build a patio. You would dig away some of the ground, so you've allowed for your hardcore to go in there, get compacted, and then lay your slabs straight on top of that. Now, of course, that's an option if you want to build a solid base, be it for animal housing or for storage or the base for a shed. But what that's not going to do is it's not going to stop any rising damp. Now, why might you want to stop rising damp? Well, apart from the obvious, what you need to think is if you're going to be building walls on this building, if you're going to build them out of timber, then you're very much going to want to stop that damp constantly rising because it's going to massively extend the life of your timber frame and your timber building. So that's one reason why you might want to stop damp coming up. But of course, it could also be quite nice to keep damp away from your animals, but it really does depend on how susceptible your animals are to it. Now, for most livestock that we raise here, it's just not a concern. You know, when you think about the natural environment in which they would have evolved, they wouldn't have damp damp roofed floors and roofs and those kind of things you know it would have been very much whatever shelter they could find under a tree or in a cave or whatever it might be so a little bit of you know concern here might be unnecessary and this is all down to your personal choices your personal preferences and how much work and effort you're willing to put in now when it comes to excavating and digging out your ground what you really need to think about and again, throughout this whole process, in one hand, you have always got the idea of longevity. That's going to be the counterweight to all of the other decisions that you make. So, you know, you need to always be thinking, how permanent is this going to be? Now, I'm going to suggest that pretty much any base that you put in with some excavation is going to last at least, you know, a decade or more. And again, it depends on how much you dig and how solid you need it to be and what you're using it for. But for, for animal housing and sheds and things like that, anything that's only going to take foot traffic, I'm going to suggest that you don't need to be overly cautious in this area. Now, that does have one slight caveat. If you are using paving, if you are OK with the paving slabs, the joints in those slabs sort of cracking a little bit, then you're definitely going to be fine. But if visually it's very important to you that it looks pristine forever, then you're definitely going to want to put a bit more effort in. For instance, if you're building a patio and half of the purpose of a patio is to provide an area of hard standing, but the other half is for the visual effect. So in those cases, it's really important how far you dig down and you're going to need to excavate down through all of the topsoil and subsoil and get onto a decent base. It normally doesn't take that long before you're through the 
the subsoil and you know I would say in most cases you'd only need to dig about six to ten inches it's not a massive amount but you're going to want to be on soil that isn't just constantly moving you know as you walk across it is it giving underfoot as it would as you walk across a lawn because if it is that same giving and that same movement that it has in it is going to translate to settling once your paving is down and it's going to crack so you want to dig out at least enough so that you're down onto something fairly solid then you're going to want to bring in some hardcore now people get a little bit confused with hardcore I'm forever as a builder talking about building a floor for someone in a house or an outhouse or laying a slab for a patio whatever it might be and someone saying, well, I've got a load of rubble over there. Can we use that? And the answer, honestly, is probably not. When you buy hardcore in from a builder's merchant to use underneath your flooring, it's going to be much finer than just your pieces of broken rubble. Now, you can hire huge machines that basically crush the concrete and will bring it down to a sort of size that's going to compact quite nicely. But if you don't go to that effort of really breaking it up fairly fine, then you will get that settling. Now, that's not to say you can't use recycled products. You can most certainly get hold of crushed concrete and you can buy this from pretty much anywhere you're going to buy any other type of hardcore. But what I do suggest is, and this is going to vary so much based on where you live, not only around the world, but even in the UK, the aggregates that we use in the building industry are called different things wherever you go. So speak to wherever you're getting it from and let them know the purpose that you're using it for and let them guide you and recommend you on the best product for you. But there are things you can do, like I say, to be a little bit more environmentally conscious. You can use these recycled products. You can also use freshly dug chalk that's come out of the ground. And again, just talking to a groundwork company, someone, a company that uses lots and lots of big machinery, they will quite often have freshly dug chalk available to you, depending on the area you live in again. So these all make really good hardcore bases. And once they're in, you would hire a whacker plate or a compactor plate and run that over the top. And that's going to basically compact everything down and give you a nice solid base. Now, depending on what you want, you might be done. If all you're after is a little bit of storage somewhere and you just want a hard standing for that, then that would certainly be enough. And this would be enough if you were building a track to drive vehicles over a field. But if we're going to be using it for an outbuilding, the next lot of considerations now come into play and that is all around damp proofing. Hi guys, I'm just very quickly interrupting the show to say please consider supporting it. If you'd like to consider supporting this one-man operation, there's lots of ways you can do it. One of the easiest of which is just to talk about it, to share it online, on your social media pages or with friends. By growing this audience is one of the best ways that we can actually ensure that the show is sustainable. If you'd like to support it more directly, then please consider becoming a patron. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub by becoming a patron you help me to achieve things that i'd love to be able to do in the future such as buying better equipment to increase the quality allowing me to pay myself some time to spend on the podcast again increasing the quality of it and also paying for things like transcription and show notes if you would like to do that please do consider going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub thank you Everything you do to support this show is really appreciated.
Now, the next thing we're going to want to do if we want a more solid base is put something on top of that. And as I said, that could be something as simple as slabs laid on sand or it could be slabs laid on mortar or it could be a slab of concrete. Now, a slab of concrete is typically what would be used in housing, at least here in the UK. At this point, we need to start considering damp proofing. Now, damp proofing generally takes the form of a sheet of plastic. Now, plastic, as we all know, is not particularly environmentally friendly. However, it is an amazing product and it's one that we just need to be very conscientious about how we use. If we're going to be using a plastic membrane, then we're going to want to be using it to form a, you know, a permanent structure. We're not going to want to use that in such a way that we're going to be looking to throw it out again in a few months time. So please do bear that in mind. And we're going to want to form a membrane between the ground, which is pretty much constantly damp and possibly our floors, but certainly our walls if we're going to be building them out of timber. Even if we're going to build them out of masonry, we're going to want to consider a damp course, but we can talk about that a little bit more in our walling section next week. So when it comes to the floors, you're going to want to have a continuous sheet of plastic basically spread across the base. And this is to stop damp penetrating up from the ground. But we need to really, really think carefully about how we do this, because that plastic is going to also form a trap for moisture from the top. So what you don't want to do, for instance, once you've dug your excavation where your floor's going to be, you don't want to then line that with plastic because effectively all you've done there is created a pond and any moisture that gets in there is not gonna have a way to escape. So in an ideal world, your plastic sheeting is going to be above ground level. So you would, for instance, excavate your ground, put your hardcore in, your scalpings or whatever you're using, you would compact that then you would put your plastic across the top of that and that would all sit at ground level or even better, just slightly above. So that any moisture, any rainwater that comes in through an opening or whatever it might be can dissipate out of that floor and onto the ground around it. And then on top of that, you would build your concrete base or lay your slabs. Now, if you're going to build a concrete base, obviously we've spoken that we're going to be doing that above ground now. So you're going to want to basically build some shuttering. You're just going to want some timber, probably some 4B1 or something like that, and just stake that out around the outside, forming like mini walls around the outside of where you're going to concrete. And then you can just simply fill that area with concrete, get it nice and smooth, nice and flat. Now, the key is in making sure that your timbers that are basically going to edge in your concrete are all perfectly level. Because if they are, you can use another piece of timber to basically run along the top of those two bits of timber either side and use that to level off your concrete, giving you a lovely flat finish. It's called screeding. And uh, some of the things I'm going to talk about in this series are a little bit visual. So forgive me for that. This is this is the you know, I'm explaining it the best way I can. But I do apologize if it's a little bit hard to follow in places. Then once you've done that, you've got your solid base and that is a solid base that is going to last for decades. I mean, that is literally the solid base that we build floors for houses out of here in the UK. Now, Perhaps what you want to consider is a timber floor. And the best way of doing this is to basically have it floating, have it elevated. So have it run like joists. So you'll have a piece of timber that's attached at either end to your structure and then a small gap underneath so that damp cannot 
penetrate. And you would do this by hanging it off of the walls. So our walls, we'll talk about damp proofing next Monday. But, you know, you can assume that they've been damp proof, which is going to allow you to hang your timber straight from one wall to another. Now, this is all raising the distance that you are off the ground. So this is just something else to bear in mind. Perhaps you'll need to consider a ramp at the entrance or whatever it might be. But uh, definitely all things to consider. Now, another thing to consider when you're planning your requirements is, is it going to have an open side? Are you building like a lean-to? Is one of the sides going to be covered in just chicken wire? I mean, if this is the case, then you really, really shouldn't worry about damp proofing your floors. There's just no point to it because it's going to be exposed to the elements anyway. When we talk about damp proofing our floors, we're really talking about things like workshops where we might have equipment in there that we need to keep dry or for whatever other reason, you know, we want it to be properly, properly dry. But even in that case, it's not necessarily a requirement. So I think damp proofing is definitely worth considering, but it may not be necessary. So once you've built your floors, you're then ready to get on and start building your walls, which we will address next Monday. I hope that you have found that useful. I'm going to be going into as much depth as I can, whilst also, you know, bearing in mind it's not necessarily the easiest medium with which to communicate some of these ideas. So I do apologise for that. And I'm sure I will follow up on this series as best I can with some of my YouTube videos. And perhaps I could point people towards on my YouTube channel. Uh, there's a video called, I think it's called uh, Cost Effective Outbuildings or Low Cost Outbuildings. And uh, there's a two part series there that I filmed just before I had my injury last year, which does cover a lot of the stuff we're talking about now. And it's obviously a much more visual medium. So you can uh, understand it a bit better there if you're struggling here. Anyway, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you ever so much for listening, guys. And we will be back on Wednesday. Cheers. This episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face-to-face -face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.